Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Cold. For many children, it's the last thing they want for Christmas. That's not the case for one Santa Deltona area boy who actually asks for it every year. I don't know what I need, actually. Oh, well, uh, who you're shopping for? My brother. Oh, that's easy then. What does he like? I'm not sure. I once knew a man, his heart out of order. His neighbors all called him Gordon the Hoarder. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in three, two, one. Welcome to The Struggle is Real as part of our gratitude series. My name is Veronica Avila and my co-host Omar Ramos is out on a special assignment today. But joining me as always is our resident expert, Dr. Alicia Laos, clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges and also author of The Struggle is Real. Welcome, Dr. Laos. We're happy to be here again. Are you ready for Christmas? Uh, no, my kids are though. <laughs> I know, so am I. I'm so excited, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And joining us on the line is special guest, Audrey Monkey. Audrey is a summer camp director, parent, writer, and speaker who follows research trends and also best practices regarding parenting, positive psychology, and youth development. Welcome, Audrey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. Now, a question for both of you. What's your favorite part of the holidays? Food. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all love food, right? Uh, for me, it's the kids all being home and just being with family and having some downtime away from work. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, and let me share with you something that I'll put it out there because I'm very grateful for it. This year at Family Bridges, we're getting some days off. I'm doing plans already with my mm-hmm. kids. I know I want to spend those days doing something. I still don't know what, but we're going to do something special. So, yes, definitely time off from work is a good thing to be uh, grateful about mm-hmm. and just enjoy it with our loved ones. And that's exactly what many people do during the Christmas season now. There's the present giving and receiving. How important is that for you guys? It's fun, but it's not really a primary thing for me. I know. I don't know about Audrey. For me, especially as my kids have gotten older, we've really tried to figure out ways to not emphasize all the stuff and try to think of more creative ways to celebrate that doesn't include just inundating our house with more things that we don't need. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> too many toys already around, too much stuff. Now you also mentioned getting creative, and that's exactly what our next skit is about. This is called Koya. For many children, it's the last thing they want for Christmas. That's not the case for one Santa Deltona area boy who actually asks for it every year. Hector Don has the story. Mitchell Rudolph is a good kid. He does his homework, helps with chores around the house, and has a generally good temper. But this wasn't always the case. His parents... Tamara and Freddy speak of another time. Oh, he'd tear up couch cushions, mm-hmm. knock over displays at the grocery store, oh, mm-hmm. throw water bottles mm-hmm. at the mailman. Oh, oh yeah, he, he, he was a bad boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so when it came to giving him Christmas presents, I mean, he didn't earn any toys, that's for sure. Oh, no, 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 that's for sure. <laughs> I was a bad kid, yeah, but then, then I got coal. Coal, black gold as they used to call it. Mitchell got a lot of it because not only did his parents give it, so did other victims of Mitchell's rash behavior. 
There were gifts wrapped under the tree from our mailman and from other people around the community. And every time I thought I was getting something cool, I'd unwrap more coal. Every present was coal. They were sending a message. So you didn't just scream and beg for toys? No, I realized I got what I deserved. So I read on the internet that apparently coal soaks up water, so burying it in your garden in the topsoil keeps it moist. So he broke it up and buried it, using it as garden mulch. I mean, I was just trying to turn the negative into a positive. (laughs) I thought that maybe that could earn me toys again. Oh, we saw what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But burying some rocks wasn't going to make me head to the toy store. No, 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 it wasn't that easy. (laughs) But then Mitchell noticed something. His mother's garden started to flourish. These flower bushes usually went up to just under my knee. Now they're up to your waist. I guess the coal kind of worked out. Plus, I started using the ash to make paintings of the flowers. I'd say he's got a green thumb, but it's actually more of a black thumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, black thumb. (laughs) And Mitchell doesn't want to stop at his family's garden. Yeah, I'm looking to start taking care of other gardens as well. I thought I wanted toys, but to be honest, this is more fun than an action figure or whatever. There you have it. Sometimes life can spring from the rock. Here's one reporter willing to say, Cole, yeah. All right, Cole, yeah. So that was really interesting, an interesting news story around Mitchell. Now, Mitchell was a mischievous kid who got Cole as a present not only from his parents, but from the community as well, as a result of his bad behavior. But then he managed to find a positive way to use it, right? Doctor, what does the coal represent in this skit? And how important is it for a community to come together to redirect a child? You know, those parents must have been pretty savvy to have gotten the son to have turned around and used the coal for something positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's how many kids are not able to redirect when they have something negative and that shows a lot of maturity to be able to, you know, have an expectation for something, be disappointed and then reappraise the circumstance Mm -hmm. and redeem it for something else. Um, So that takes some coaching. And so I think that's one thing that we can learn from the skit is as parents think about ways that we can coach our kids to reappraise. You can't get you know, that's not just for Christmas, but you can't always get what you want. Mm-hmm. The kids freak out, and especially if they're used to being habituated to getting what they want, they'll lash out, and, you know, little ones will maybe cry, and older ones will bark, you know, <laughs> whatever it might be. <laughs> but um, they'll, shut off. They'll, they'll, they'll just harass you as a parent. I've listened to so many cases and clinical cases where I've seen, you know, adolescents just go on and on and on with their parents about the cell phone and the iPad that they want, and they just go on and on and on and on, you know, incessantly. And just how important it is for us to redirect and teach our kids that, one, we can't always get what we want. Mm-hmm. Two, just teach them how to reappraise the circumstance, how to redeem things so that, you know, you're going to have disappointments, you're going to have frustrations, and the best thing is to look at it in a new light. Awesome. I love that. Audrey, we also saw that obviously he didn't get any toys as presents. Today, just like Dr. Alicia was mentioning, many kids are used to receiving toys, whether they earned it or not. They're used to getting toys or, or the latest gadgets, etc. So many people think you know, we're becoming more of a materialistic society. But how do we turn things around so that kids can appreciate the little things and not be so materialistic? 
I think it's difficult just because it is such a cultural thing right now where they are surrounded by it, you know, everywhere they go and they get a lot of media, you know, wherever, whatever they're using, whether it's TV or their phones, they're seeing lots of images of things that they want and that kind of thing. So it's, it's difficult. But I would say a couple of things that I've done that I really like, especially with younger kids, not just buying things for no reason in the store and that kind of thing. What I did with my kids when they were little is I would always keep a list. And this was during the pre-smartphone year, so I had an actual notebook in my purse. And I would have a list for each of my children. And so if they asked me in a store, hey, can I have this toy? I would say, let's put it on your list for your birthday or Christmas or something coming up. And it was magical because instead of them whining or complaining and saying, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, they would be happy because it's on their list. So they would start asking me, can I put this on my list? Probably one of my best parenting tricks was to get away from buying things in the moment. It also provided the opportunity for them to realize later on that they didn't actually still want everything on the list. So it was kind of a lesson in delayed gratification that you don't, if you wait, sometimes later on you don't want it as much. But if you still do, then you know it was something that might be a good gift eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, before the podcast, Dr. Laos, we were uh, having a conversation off the podcast, and she was saying that, that their kids look forward to the one gift throughout the year, and then it's easier for her to buy it, to be focused on what they want, but also just have that one gift. And now you're mentioning the list. It's so funny. I have a, I have a daughter that continuously... <laughs> I do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe for mm-hmm. Christmas. And she keeps adding things to her Christmas list. I don't know how many pet shop, little pet shop or whatever they're called, I'm going to be buying this Christmas. But yes, she'll stop crying. She won't do the tantrum because it's on her Christmas list. Hopefully we'll be able to get yeah. it. One tip I learned that I love wasn't was just from a random mom cruising down Target. And I loved it. And I, I've taken it. And she just came in and I overheard her tell her kids at the very beginning, okay, today we're going to practice self-control. Mm. You're not going to get anything. And ever since I loved it and I've done it and it works really well in terms of, well, I've always done the let me talk to the kids before going to a store because mm-hmm. otherwise I know that they're just going to, you know, want all these things. So it just kind of prep them in terms of the expectations I have of them at the beginning. It sets it up. But I really like that she named it, that it was self-control. And then she explained what that meant. So it's really just teaching the kids the reason why we would want that behavior from them instead of just, you know, right at the moment, then you're acting and reacting. So mm-hmm. I like the proactive approach. Love all that. these tips are helpful. Yes, they are. Now, according to Investopedia.com, last year, Americans spent an average of, listen to this, $900 in Christmas shopping. Between Black Friday and Christmas Day. Woohoo! And they said that this year it's about to increase. It's going to increase about $50. So we're looking at $950 this year. Do you think that would be accurate? Or how can we how can we spend less, doctor? That's too much money. Juan, how could we afford this? We're creating a lot of debt for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder why we're doing that. I mean, ask yourself as a parent, why? Why are we feeling obligated to spend so much on our kids, on whomever? for Christmas. I think we have to think about it in long-term view. And one thing I liked, an investor said that you should pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. And if we are indebting ourselves with gifts that are very costly and they're outside of our means, we're really not paying ourselves in the long haul. We can't take the coveted vacation, the experiences. We can't, you know, we're not saving for retirement, whatever it might be. And so, I don't know, we need to be a little bit more savvy in terms of our resources and just think we're out of control with that. 
Definitely. And I think adults will probably get that idea. How do you transfer that idea so that the kids can also understand that? What would you say to them, Audrey? When you think about your favorite gifts, or at least for me, they always involve something that a person has either personalized or put something of themselves into. So mm -hmm. I really love the idea of emphasizing with our kids, especially things they give to their grandparents and that kind of thing, making it or have something to do with, even mm -hmm. if it's a photo, mm -hmm. a personal photo, and you're getting the frame for it to go in, a lot of really meaningful gifts don't cost very much money. Um, mm -hmm. Every year I get my parents and my in-laws a calendar with photos from the year of all the grandkids mm -hmm. and events mm -hmm. that have happened. And it's everybody's favorite gift. And, you know, you get them on special and it's, you know, $9.99 each or something. And they are, you know, mm -hmm. I, so I almost think that the most special gifts often are not the ones that cost the most. Now, for kids, I know a lot of kids like the toys and everything. But even for kids, I really like experiential gifts. Mm -hmm. So I like to encourage, you know, even though it can still be costly, but like if grandparents, you know, get them tickets to an event that they're going to go with them to, mm -hmm. something the kids are looking forward to, maybe a concert, you know, especially as kids get to be like preteens and teenagers. Yeah. They really are excited about those kind of things. So I love gifts that involve either like experiential things or something that's more personalized. My husband is so opposed to, you know, the whole gift card movement. It just seems so impersonal to give someone a, a $50 gift card when you could just take the time to write them a letter thanking them for what they mean to you and including a book that they might really enjoy or something that's more personal and meaningful. So I think, to me, the most the most meaningful gifts are not the ones that cost the most. Mm -hmm. The meaningful ones are probably the, the best ones, just like she said. On that note, we're going to go into our next skit, which has something or a lot to do with what you just mentioned. This is called How to Shop for Someone You Don't Know. Thanks again for shopping at Drumley's. You have yourselves a happy holiday. Hey, and enjoy the toboggan. Don't let those toes catch frostbite now. Bye-bye. Oh, hello, miss. So, uh, you're looking for a took, then? Excuse me? I said you're looking for a took? You know, a beanie. That one there would fit you to a T. Oh, I'm not shopping for myself. Oh, a little bit of last-minute holiday browsing, then? I get it. Better now than on Boxing Day, am I right? <laughs> okay, I'll shut my big gap and just get out of your way. Just give me a holler if you need anything. I don't know what I need, actually. Oh, well, uh, who you're shopping for? My brother. Oh, that's easy then. What does he like? I'm not sure. Oh, uh, what does he do? He's unemployed. Well, what does he do when he's not doing that? I don't know. He's kind of a private person. We never really been that close, you know. He's only just moved back to Winnipeg. Most of my life he's lived away, so... Like I said, I don't really know what he likes. I see. Well, uh, that is a pickle. Oh, he talks about visiting New Zealand a lot. Oh, well, there you go. We got us a whole section of travel books. He says he hated it. And he'd never go back. That there ain't much that could get him to leave Winnipeg these days. Oh, darn. You know, I, I thought we had it there. Yeah. Uh, does he have a girlfriend? No. Does he want to know another language? No. Does he paint, play an instrument, or work with fabrics? No, no, no. Oh, darn. You know, I, I've never been stumped like this before. Oh. I may have finally met my match. Eureka! I've got it! Excuse me, sir, I'll be right with you. Excuse me, ma'am. There is one more thing you might want to try. Oh, what's that? 
get your brother something you want for the holidays. How's that now? Well, it, it sounds like you and your brother don't know each other that well. If you opened up to him, shared something you like, it might be like, well, uh, it might be like sharing a tiny bit of yourself. He may not use it every day. Yeah, he may not use it at all, but you'd have one more thing to talk about. That's for darn sure. Oh, that's an idea. Well, uh, whatever you decide, I'll be at the front. Hey, Sam? Uh-huh? Do you have a sword section? Swords? You know, like the samurai use. I'm a bit of a collector, and I might like to get my brother a nice katana. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry. You, you didn't strike me as a sword enthusiast. Well, heck, we got us a whole load of knives and blades and sharp objects right in the back corner there. In sporting goods, you should be able to find what you want there. Okie dokie. Thanks for all your help, Sam. Happy holidays. Happy to be of service. Happy holidays. Alrighty then, a sword. I don't know about a sword. <laughs> well, let's see. So there's a lot of stress. Many people go through the stress of the holiday yeah. gift buying, etc. You don't know if the person's going to like what you buy, or you don't know if it's something that it's going to be perfect or not for the other person. Buying something that you want for someone else. Is that a good idea? I'm not sure. <laughs> what happens if you want it? Um, you know, I guess that's one way to solve the problem. I, You know, I think the spirit of the skit is to figure out, you know, the stress of the holidays. And yeah. sometimes we overwork ourselves. In this case, she's stressed out. She doesn't know what to get so-and-so, you know, her brother. We just have to figure out what is it that makes us stress? What's the trigger? Is it that we have too many gifts that we feel like we have to get? Mm -hmm. Do we have a sense of obligation? Maybe she's stressing out because she feels obligated to get him a gift. Can we question that? Can she get an experience instead or just spend some time with her brother? And maybe mm -hmm. that might be as valuable or make a donation to a charity on their behalf. So sometimes we make an expectation and we attach that. And then so then we work ourselves up based on something that may not have any any backbone to it so we need to figure out what is it that's provoking the stress there's a lot of tips that people do over the ages that have reduced the amount of stress for example if it's the gift buying frenzy at the last minute some people will set a clock where they've purchased the gifts by black friday or something or, mm -hmm. or whatever so that they can actually enjoy the christmas season with family and you know what the real meaning of christmas is about instead yes. of it being all about the gift wrapping situation or they'll just set a standard well they'll say everybody's gonna get pajamas <laughs> you know when they yes. choose a theme and then everybody just gets that same thing you know different color pajamas i guess you know everybody's gonna get movie tickets and they just simplify it so yes. simplifying it if you're really feeling that you have to get something very specific for everybody or just saying everybody's gonna get an experience instead of a gift so there's little ways that we can reduce the stress by coming up with strategies that are less intense than crazy shopping for you need to go mm -hmm. crazy over it. I love that idea. If more people get some kind of the same um, gift, then you can all share the same experience, right? You'll go with a group of people. That sounds like a... It makes it easier. Yeah. Now, you mentioned expectations. The person giving, yes, this is the solution. Now, the person receiving, let's talk about that. <laughs> Audrey, many people expect to get what they give, but it's not always going to be the case for whatever reason. How can we prepare ourselves, our kids also? What expectations should they have for this holiday season? That's not over the top. I think it is just about communication ahead of time so that everyone knows 
what is going on and what to expect. And it's funny that whole skit. I what I was thinking the whole time is, oh, you you know, you need to get to know your brother. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, so take him to dinner as your guest and, exactly. and ask him what he likes yes. and find out more about him. Maybe you can help guide him to find a job <laughs> since he's unemployed. Yeah. So um, I just think we need to talk to our kids. And you know, maybe if in the past. Christmas has been out of control with too many gifts. You know, you can just say we're starting a new family tradition and we're going to do one gift or one main gift or we're going to go on this trip and mm-hmm. not do gifts this year or, you know, just I think as long as people know what to expect, I think it's just when you change something, you have to be careful to make sure the kids know that they won't be disappointed. And then I do find, I mean, this is when your kids get older, you can really talk to them and do fun things where one of their gifts is a donation on their behalf and they get to mm-hmm. pick what it is they're giving. We really like those catalogs where you can, you know, your $100 can buy a goat for a family and provide milk for them for the year. And so my kids have enjoyed looking through the catalog and getting the opportunity to select something. And that's fun for them. And it's a tradition. So I think just being clear and talking to the kids and letting them know. And I think even saying, hey, it's gotten kind of crazy in the past, too many things. And we have so much stuff. So let's just, we're going to, you know, be mellow and just do one gift or something like that. Some people do three gifts. You know, I don't know whatever works. As long as they talk about it ahead of time, though, I don't think people are as disappointed. You know, I grew up with the whole secret Santa in my household. Mm -hmm. It was probably because we were six girls and... I mean, that would have been crazy. But it was, the game was more fun. And yes. never grew up feeling like I had a lack of gifts. It was so exciting to have the secret center that you just really thought about the one gift and you try to figure out, who, you know, who has who? your name. And, who you, <laughs> and I mean, it just made Christmas season so much fun. And it was one gift. And it was, you know, if you weren't working, it was something that you made or your family made for you. But it was, it made it very special, the tradition. So sometimes just the one gift simplifies it for people. Definitely. Definitely. Now, simple is great. <laughs> yes, Simplify things. Yes, you won't please. be as stressed out. <laughs> but how about the people that we don't know as much? For the kids in school, something that they can give, something that's meaningful to their classmates. I don't know. What would be a good idea? A little um, candy, maybe? I don't know. I, I'm thinking just because last year I had the opportunity to um, work with someone for the first time in our office. And he and his wife made this cranberry sauce. Out of nowhere, he comes with these jars And I thought that was very meaningful. It was delicious, yes. But it was meaningful. And we didn't really know him yet. So that was, I thought it was very thoughtful and it was very nice. Yeah, gifts in a jar are great. Those mason jars. And there's all sorts of great ideas on Pinterest of the different types of gifts. You know, all the things that can fit in a jar, you know. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I like that too. All right. Fresh made granola. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Make it yummy. Make it a yummy one. Yeah. Okay, let's go into our third skit. This is called Gordon the Hoarder. I once knew a man, his heart out of order. His neighbors all called him Gordon the Hoarder. Now, though Gordon lived in a warm coastal bay, his heart had grown cold and wandered astray his house filled with boxes and trinkets and jars, no room for him there, so he slept in his car. And because where he lived it tends to get hot, all this garbage he kept was starting to rot. You've got to clean up, his neighbors complained. Your house stinks up the block. What are you, insane? Not long after that came a knock on the door from a large cleaning crew with five trucks. No, it was more. A therapist there said he had been sent as a gift from the city, but Gordon knew what that meant. 
They'd come for his treasures, his memories, his stuff, and they were taking it all, but that wasn't enough. We have only three days, the therapist added. We'll work together, but we have to get at it. You have to leave, said Gordon the hoarder. This is my house, and I give the orders. You don't understand, said the man with delay. If you can't comply, we'll take it away. Your possessions, your home, even your pet. A better offer than this you're not likely to get. I, I know it seems hard, impossible even. But I'll help you succeed, or my name isn't Stephen. Gordon stopped, and he said, Well, this simply can't be. But as bad as it seems, perhaps I should clean. Not a lot, mind you, just odd ends and junk. I can gather enough to fill up a trunk. Well, that's a start, said Stephen, who knew to go slow, for that's only as fast as Gordon could go. Day one was the kitchen. Oh, man, what a mess. Day two was the basement, which was a real test. By the start of day three, they'd made some real strides, and Gordon was hopeful he'd helped turn the tide. But then came the room he'd locked with a key. He hadn't set foot there since 2003. Now Stephen was strong. He'd helped hoarders for years, and in all of that time, nothing moved him to tears. Nothing except what he saw in that room which is better described as some sort of tomb. When Stephen went in, his body, it froze. There were thousands of presents, all garnished with bows. Eyes wide, Stephen asked, What are these doing here? Gordon replied, softly shedding a tear, These are gifts for my family, who I lost Christmas Day, on the road in the rain. There was a truck and they... they... Gordon stopped for a moment as his heart was rebroken. These are the presents they never could open. Some from that day, but most many years after. I missed my wife's kisses, my daughter's sweet laughter. So instead of just mourning year after year, I kept buying them presents and putting them here. I wrapped them up nicely, as I always had done, never admitting they were for no one. Gordon, I get it, Stephen said in a whisper, but is there anyone else, a brother, a sister, who can help take these presents, who could carry the weight? If not, then this house will be condemned by the state. And what happened next? You'll have trouble believing, but it's true, every word, or my name still isn't Stephen. Gordon ran out of the house to the last empty truck, gave the crew orders, made them all rush. Now, Gordon had no one, at least so he thought, to take all these presents he'd made and he'd bought. So he packed that truck up, filled it right to the brim, slid up to the wheel, and for the first time, he grinned. Why was he smiling? Why had he changed? Were his neighbors correct? Was he crazy? Insane? Well, if Gordon was crazy, then lock me away, because I want to be crazy like Gordon one day. He drove all over town, giving gifts left and right. There was nary a frown, there was only delight. It wasn't even Christmas, just a warm winter day. His name wasn't Santa, he didn't drive a sleigh. But that didn't matter, he had gifts to deliver. And that's how Gordon the Hoarder became Gordon the Giver. Oh wow, 
What a beautiful story. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Okay, well, now in this Dr. Seuss-styled poem, we learned more about the story of Gordon. Um, so we saw that he lost his family, and he kept collecting the presents for his for his daughters, for his, um, for his wife. But he still kept them there for I don't know how many years, 2003 to 2017. Goodness, over 10 years collecting presents. But then we were able to see that he turned that painful situation into a positive experience when he finally decided to go out and share with the rest of the world or the community the presence that he had um, there. I think that brought him joy. Now, Audrey, what can parents learn from this? Part of it is just that the world is hard and there's, I mean, even like Gordon is a sad person that we could help. And I think giving is so much better than receiving. So our kids, even just thinking about whether you're thinking about Gordon as a, a lonely person who needs some caring or the fact that the way he brought himself happiness was by giving to others. Teaching our kids through service and getting them involved in some kind of service is so important so that they get to experience that joy that you get from giving to others rather than just being focused on receiving things from others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's sort of the, the main, one of the important lessons that it's important to teach our kids. Love it. Now, some quick facts, and this happens in the U.S. Compulsive hoarding affects approximately 700 to 1.4 million people in the USA, and it usually starts during childhood and becomes a problem in adulthood. Ah, but however, in this poem, it seemed to me that the that giving away the presents served as a healing activity, doctor. Now, many people this year have lost a loved one, and it's going to be their first Christmas without this person. I'm just thinking about the different mm-hmm. thoughts and the feelings that might go uh, that might be uh, going through their heads and their hearts. What message can you send them? Yeah, you're right. There were a lot of themes um, apart from the Christmas message of giving mm-hmm. that were embedded in this in the story. Dr. Seuss story, which, by the way, kudos to the creative team. They're so clever in terms Loved of <laughs> being with all the rhyming and, and creation of it. But one of the things that you pinpoint, uh, Veronica, is that not for everyone is Christmas or the holidays a moment of celebration. It's a moment of, of grieving. There's different circumstances or situations where people have lost loved ones, folks that they really deeply care about. And in the middle of all the flurry and the gift wrapping, we, we sometimes forget that there are others who are who are really grieving. And so it's important to be present for them. The second thing here is just a little bit about the hoarding and possibly OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder that's imbued in that. You know, we need to be careful about placing judgment on people. Mm-hmm. You don't really know the reason behind circumstances. And we'll be having a segment later on on mental mental illness, and we'll talk about a lot of these issues. And some of it is genetic. Some of it is, you know, some behaviors that are, are brought upon. But it's, it's just important to not attach too much judgment critically when we don't know behind the story. In this case, in the story, it, it serves the purpose. And people create attachments to things for different reasons and so we need to know the story before we make a judgment call whether it's hoarding or whatever it may be it's easy to just say oh my goodness you know how could they be this way or that way when we don't know the story once we understand people's story then we have an inner insight into what's going on and and that is is really what we are called to. It's a way that we can serve others, even during the Christmas season, is be present with people, listen to their story. If they are grieving, be able to be present with them so that they are able to grieve and give in those precious moments. And that's a way to give. 
you know, that gift of time and listening to each other. I love that. And listen to the story, understand it a little more. It's an opportunity for us to be more empathetic with Mm -hmm. one another. So love that. Any closing thoughts for parents, for kids out there, Dr. Audrey? I think that, you know, kids learn most from how we live and what we model for them. And so if we go into the holidays and this whole season with more a sense of calm and celebration of the reason for the real reason for the season, I think we'll model that for our children and help them appreciate it more. So I think family traditions and, you know, having hot chocolate and popcorn together or decorating the tree or all of those things are so special and we want to build up those things and I think de-emphasize the stuff as much as possible. Just the last thought on that, the with people who have lost someone, you know, people love to talk about and celebrate the life of their their um, loved ones who they've lost. And I think oftentimes we hesitate to talk about it because we don't want to bring it up, but mm-hmm. they're thinking about it all the time. And I know with, with friends of mine, um, they appreciate when you just say, wow, this must be hard to your first Christmas without this person. And what did you love most about doing with them at Christmas? And it's it feels good to people to be able to talk about those things. So I think even helping our kids, if they have someone who they know who's mourning, having them reach out and, you know, talk to them, I think that's great. But I love this season, and I, I'm really looking forward to the time with my family. And I just think we can model for our kids that we don't have to be chaotic and crazy and running around buying a bunch of stuff, that we can be thoughtful in our gift-giving and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Definitely, definitely. Audrey, talk to us a little bit more of where we can find you online and where we can find more information on your camps. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, so my website is sunshine-parenting.com, and I have a lot of resources there about summer camp and parenting and friendship skills and just general happiness and positive psychology tips. My camp is actually called Gold Arrow Camp and the website is goldarrowcamp.com. There's some information there in general about summer camp as well. It's a residential camp. And that's pretty much it. Those two places are where you can find my work. I'm also on social media, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Usually my name is either Dak Sunshine or Sunshine Parenting. Awesome. Make sure to visit it. They have great resources. Thank you both for joining us today. Any other thoughts, doctor, that you'd like to share? I think Audrey really wrapped it up really well in the sense that, you know, the season is beautiful. Um, Let's not get wrapped up in the gifts and really just enjoy each other's company and and celebrate each other and, and make it about that. Yes. And let's start with Christmas music. I don't know about you, but I'm already listening to Christmas music. I want to get into the spirit. And I invite all of you to do the same thing. Well, this was The Struggle is Real. Make sure that you get the app on iTunes so you don't miss any other relevant parenting topics. Also, additional resources are available on the Family Bridges app. Download that one, too. We're on social media with the hashtag The Struggle is Real or TSIR. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Veronica Avila. Have a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful Happy New Year. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com. 